Bullfrog Environmental has 16 years of erosion control experience. From silt fence to construction entrances, we specialize in it all. Give us a call at 936-672-3744 or leap over and visit us on the web at bullfrogenvironmental.com. And good evening. Welcome to the Bullet Grill House High School Sports Pregame Show. Craig Irwin, Brian Best, Chris Moran, and Barb joining in with us. She ain't going to talk. She's going to whisper sweet nothings in Chris's ear real quick. So, uh, gosh, area round of the playoffs got here quick, didn't it, Brian? It's, uh, yeah, it always does. And um, it's, we we went to a very good game that I'm probably going to remember for a long time, but more importantly, the the folks of Shepherd, Texas, are going to remember for a longer time. Uh, And it kind of... uh, it reaffirms why why we do this and why high school football is so much fun. So I feel like it was one of the two biggest upsets of the weekend in the by district round of the playoffs. And be and tough to top it. it. It well, the only other one is is uh, Little River Academy upsetting Hitchcock, and that's over the that's weekend. cool and everything. But Shepard had what fifty five years of history working against them well and that's the thing and we talked about it in the podcast this week as well and 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 i sent it to you i believe uh saturday or sunday whenever i seen it but uh 1967 was the last time shepherd had made it out of the by district round of the playoffs and that was in eight man football Mm -hmm. wow was it eight man yeah because we were trying to decide if it was eight man or six man i got that confirmed and it was eight-man football, and it was in 1967. And they lost. They were like the huge – so the story goes, right, is that was the first year that Shepard was fully integrated, mm-hmm. uh, teachers and students, yeah. right? Uh, it's the first year they were integrated. There was a, they, they really talked about uh, – Well, the little thing that I read, it, it kind of made it seem like there were other area schools around just kind of watching, seeing how, I guess, that experiment was going to go and, and if it was going to work out because uh, they, the way that it made it seem was, you know, there was a lot of people kind of waiting on the outcome of whether it was going to be successful or not for them to do it themselves. No, and you're right. So I'm just going to read the whole deal out since we got Chris here and I didn't text it to him. But uh, to look back at Shepard's history after last night's win, talking about Thursday, and, and with the confirmation uh, that has marked our first playoff triumph since 1967, we have decided to look back into the pages of the Pirate Annual to see who these individuals were. The 1967 team was coached by Mr. Ronnie Korn, also, also the high school principal, and Mr. Quinters Andrews. The Pirates were ranked second in the state going into the season, and at that time, securing a district championship was required for playoffs, playoff advancement. After winning district, they defeated Calvert in the by-district matchup with a score of 7-6. to six. However, the Pirates fell, short, fell to Brookshire Royale, who is now 5A, um, 36 to nothing in the regional round of the playoffs. So the whole playoff structure was completely different. Um, also, it was noted that the, uh, in the annual, Shepard was also in the spotlight that year among small schools in Texas. Their process was being observed by individuals throughout the state as they were considered a pace setter 
because they were one of few schools that have fully integrated faculty and students. It has been a success only because every person in the Shepherd in Shepherd has worked and cooperated for the for that re, for this reason. We dedicated this edition of the uh, Pirates for You Shepherd. Now this was put out by Shepherd ISD yeah. on their Facebook page. So and Eric Burton, um, Mr. Eric Burton for sharing the picture and the memories. So he had a copy of the pictures, and, and they listed all the players that was on that team. So big deal for the Shepherd Pirates. It's just a shame that they're facing a very tough Franklin team this week. Yeah, because honestly, we, we kept talking about it last week, and if you give them more of a shot this week against just about anybody else uh, other than Franklin in that, in that classification, I mean – you'd really like to see how they would stack up against another good team because it was uh, it was an incredible night, and the offensive line, defensive line kind of had their way. You had a kid run for 288 yards and four touchdowns. After they threw a pass on their first drive of the football game, they didn't have to throw another one the rest of the game. And no. they still built up a 34 to nothing lead. They had a 42-8 to lead at one time. And then you have Kirbyville come back and score three fourth-quarter touchdowns to make the score a lot closer than what the game really was. Well, and you go back and you look at that game, and the tempo was set for the Shepherd Pirates early on, at right? The short little squib kick, they muffed it. Shepherd comes up with it, and they're in control, right? Yeah. Uh, and and let's not forget that I believe Chris was the only one who picked Shepherd in that pickums. He was. You got to go for the home team. So. Uh, I, I tell you, so uh, I, I was watching the. I wasn't. I was kind of surfing through Facebook, right? And I saw one of the comments on there that said, "What the score was like twenty eight. I think twenty eight nothing at at the time." Yeah. And it said Shepard. I thought, "Oh, Shepard's getting beat bad." I'm thinking it was twenty eight zero. <laughs> that Shepard had the zero is what I'm thinking. And then right. I, I saw another comment that that Shepard's winning. I'm like, they're winning twenty eight to nothing yeah, at this. It, it was twenty two nothing at the half. I mean, it was all Shepard. Shepard had a twenty two point head start going in the second half. And, and, and then just added had to two, a, two more touchdowns. Yeah, so before it, Kirbyville ever scored, Preston Stevenson absolutely showed out in the running back position. And I mean, it wasn't just it wasn't just a ground and pound, and we're going to get it inside the five and pound it in. No, Preston Stevenson broke three for 50, forty-five plus yeah. on the night. Three of them, and not a Kirbyville player could get within reach of him to make that tackle. I mean, it was. He had he showed that breakaway that breakaway speed, and he's not that he's not that six four four two forty type guy that you're looking at. He's a he's a junior this year, and he's probably I'd say five seven five eight, and, and probably a buck forty five buck fifty. I mean, he's just he's not that big super athletic kid that you would look at and think, wow, this kid is something else. You know, he's a kid that you want that you would actually think that you would see in the hayfield tossing square bills. And he, he lined up at both tailback and fullback uh, in the offense, and, and he was given – I mean, obviously they run out of several different formations, but he was given the ball in, in all kinds of different manners and uh, counters, dives, traps, I mean, sweeps. You, you had a little bit of everything, and the offensive line did an incredible job, and you really can't give them enough credit because, That's like I said, game. yeah, I mean, if you're not throwing a pass in a football game, then you're doing something incredibly right if you're building a 34 nothing lead without having to throw the football. So do you think the 
Did the Shepherd line look better than it has when you've seen them before, or do you think that they looked? The defense my, looked flat. In my opinion, and and I'd only seen Shepherd in the Cold Spring game, right? Uh, I'd read about them, and I'd seen them, you know, get losing to Tarkington, right? Uh, I think that was like a thirty to fifteen, thirty fourteen game. Uh, them losing that game, you know, I could only go by scoreboard watching because I hadn't got to watch them play. But comparing that game to the Cold Spring game, it was a mirror image, right? Uh, they they won the battle in the trenches and on both sides of the ball, yeah. and that's what executed. Now, I will say this. I feel like the, the weather, because it was an absolute monsoon for two quarters in the halftime, an absolute monsoon up there at A. Martin Stadium. And I think that Shepard's ground and pound game that's going to – it's it, always going to favor them. It's going to favor them because Kirbyville wasn't able to get anything going until the fourth quarter. And there was also the appearance that there was one team that was ready to play a football game in yep. that sort of weather, and there was another team that really didn't want to. No, nah, and, and y'all can figure that out by the score. Pretty easy. It was, it was a fun game to call. Uh, Brian had to shy away from me a couple times because I may have got a little excited in the booth. <laughs> But uh, it, it really was. It was probably the funnest game I've called this year. And uh, I couldn't be more proud of, of Coach Robinson and, and the staff, uh, coaching staff, as well as the players over there in Shepherd. But, you know, we had a lot of games. Well, another big storyline out of with Shepherd is District 9-3A had a clean sweep yeah. uh, this last weekend uh, in the by-district round, knocking out all of District 10's teams. You knocked out East Chambers, you knocked out Kirbyville, you knocked out Orangefield, and you knocked out Buna. Uh, Ball took care of Buna Friday night. Uh, Westwood took care of East Chambers. And then uh, Woodville took care of Orangefield. That was a 51-7 final, and they were all blowouts. And you probably wouldn't have had much pushback from anyone if you would have said that three out of the four of those were going to win their games. But it was kind of the unexpected uh, – that, that Shepard won along with the weather that was involved and the circumstances and the history that was made that made that Shepard game so special. And I agree with you on, on that 100%. They, there was so much there for those for those kids and for the Shepard fans on what, what they were able to do. And, and, and like we, say, we watched across, across the stadium, and the band and the cheerleaders and the dance team and the fans were having so much fun in rain that was just pouring down on them. And that's what Texas high school football in the playoffs is all about. It was a ton of fun. I, I surely enjoyed it. I'm going to run down some scores, Thursday night scores, and then we'll jump over to the Friday night scores. But uh, North Shore defeated Deer Park 42-14 up there in 6A. The Woodlands uh, rolled through spring 35 to nothing. Vider falls to Lindale uh, 4A Division One. Action, 49-28 was the final there. Jasper uh, in 4A Division Two goes through Columbia 35-12. Seeley uh, falls to Silsby 35-22. We mentioned it just a second ago. Woodville defeats Orangefield 51-7. Uh, final score there at A. Martin Stadium. Shepard defeated Kirbyville 42-28. Atlanta falls to Winsboro 30-14. New Waverly gets shut out by Dangerfield 48-0. Queen City falls to Newton, 69-12. Groveton made it a game against Shelbyville, but they fall 28-35 was the final. And then Prince Carlisle falls to Lovelady, 
to 14. That game, those games were Friday night or Thursday night, excuse me, and then moving into the local games on Friday night. Atascacita defeated Pasadena and Adobe 65-28. McKinney North falls to Barbers Hill 43-21. Porter makes a long drive all the way up to Longview to only put seven points up. Longview beats on 59-7. PNG hosted Brenham down there at the Res. 37-7 was the final there in favor of PNG. Chapel Hill defeats Little Cypress Mauriceville 35-7. Uh, game that we did, and uh, we can go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Kilgore just absolutely uh, upsets Livingston, forty-nine to eight was the final in that one. And, and I don't know if it was if you even consider that an upset. Kilgore no. just a well-polished football team. No, they are. They're they were the district champions, and for a reason. They've got a really solid run game. They've got an even better defense. They've got probably one of the best defenses that I've seen in the past couple of years. Uh, there's a ton of speed at all three levels, and um, they have a they have a chance to go a pretty good ways because of that defense. It's going to keep them in a lot of games. Well, and it's funny they, they in our podcast this week. That's one of the things Toby talked about. What team just really stands out? And I told him, I said, man, I got to watch Kilgore. And I said, I'm telling you, it was it wouldn't surprise me to not see Kilgore in the semifinals. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a deal to where they're probably going to play a, a few close games if, if they are to advance a, a few more rounds because they're going to have a situation to where they want to keep the ball on the ground if, if at all possible. They're going to spread you out to run the football, and they're going to play defense. And, look, I mean – they didn't come in and just blow out Livingston. I mean, it was a 21 nothing game. It felt a little more comfortable for them at 21 to nothing than the score would, would you know, tell a lot of people. But at, at no point in time was Livingston uh, in, in any kind of striking range. Uh, and, you know, you, you never really felt like Kilgore was threatened in the game because of that defense. Livingston did have a few good drives, uh, a few of them ended in turnovers, and then you have one that ended in a 45-yard run from Jaron James. But um, after that, Livingston's offense was just kind of short-circuited, and and uh, you, you had a the game kind of they they distanced them, them, themselves. I'll get that out. They distanced themselves from Livingston at the end of the game, and uh, Livingston was completely out of gas by that point. No, and, and I'm going to say this real quick before we wrap it up here in the first segment, but. Uh, one of the things about Kilgore, there wasn't that one standout player. It's mm. much like Shepard. They kind of play as a team. They win the battle in the trenches and, and execute. And, and that's what made it made it fun in the aspect of watching Kilgore play football is you didn't have that one kid that just, just like had that wow factor, right? They yeah. played as a team and won as a team, and that's what made it so fun. You and almost go- get the feeling that there's going to be seven or eight kids off of that defense that may play a JUCO or, or you know, Division three type school, but nothing really that, that stands out where – you know, he's just dominant. No, I agree with you. I'm going to tell you another great team is the team here at Bullet Girl House. And uh, you come in here, doesn't matter what what night of the week it is, but you get great service and great food here at Bullet Grill. Yeah, you know what uh, it does? We've got some great servers, always great food, always uh, cooked fresh to order. We've got uh, some great music this weekend on the, the lineup. If you're not going to a high school football game, Friday night. When we didn't even talk about when. Uh, when is the Shepherd game? Friday. Friday night. night? Friday yeah. night. So if you're not going to the Shepherd game, if you're kind of hanging out, then uh, 
We've got uh, Benny Bryan and Montana Nagy that are playing tonight. So a couple, a uh, couple little different thing. Benny uh, Montana usually plays with uh, Jesse, but she, he's coming out to play with Benny, and uh, should be a good show. So that'll be a seven o'clock Friday night. Come out for some live music. Supposed to be a nice, cool night. So uh, should be a great day to sit on the patio and jam out to some great tunes. Sounds like a place to be if you're not going to be in Willis. You're listening to the Bullet Girl House High School Sports Pregame Show on 102.3 The Eagle. We'll be back right after this. Do you have a dream of sitting around and talking about whatever's on your mind? Well, we're here to make that a reality here at Texas Podcast Media. We here are we are here to make your dream a reality. Come in, set up in our studio. We record, we edit, we do all the work, and we upload it to all the feeds. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, we do it all. Let us be your home for your podcasting. For more information, email us at info at texaspodcastmedia.com. Howdy folks, Randy here. At Randy's Rubs, it is our mission to bring you a variety of mouthwatering seasonings that are sure to make the ordinary extraordinary, to make the impossible possible. Creating memories with friends and family is what is most important to us, and we hope to be the cornerstone of your meals, making memories with the ones you love most. As all of you continue on your fall sports journey, Randy's Rubs wishes each of you an incredible season, and may each of you be an All-American. Go check us out on Amazon or at randysrubs.com. It don't suck, y'all. Welcome back to the Bullet Grill House High School Sports Pregame Show. Craig Irwin, Brian Best, Chris Moran on the far end. He's late getting the headphones on. Well, you surprised me. I'm watching, you know, you some, I'm watching some college football. So, what Central Michigan and Ohio? Yeah, yeah. Ohio's leading that one ten to nothing. We're here every Wednesday night. Here on Wednesday nights, recording this college game day show to follow uh, here at Bullet Grill House. So. Uh, Excuse me. A lot of good stuff here uh, going on. Food. We just had some fried green tomatoes. Again, I think that's the third or fourth time we've had them this it year. It might be the fourth. It's it's quickly becoming my favorite. I I'm really partial to the fried mushrooms, and um, we've had the green beans that were fantastic. Yes. But I forgot about them. Yeah, but the uh, the fried green tomatoes with jalapeno ranch is. Uh, it's the, pretty unbeatable, man. The jalapeno ranch is a meal in itself. <laughs> and it's homemade, Chris. Yeah, it is homemade. We make uh, we make our regular ranch homemade, and the jalapeno ranch is homemade. The other appetizer, you, you don't have very much, is the uh, bacon cheddar tater balls. The jalapeno bacon cheddar tater balls? I did have those. Yes, yes. they're, they're when good, When we too. were inside. That's another one that's good with the uh, jalapeno ranch. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Rachel and I have had them a couple times yeah. whenever we come in on Sundays for our uh, brunch. Uh-huh. Wednesday, though, you know, we got bingo starting up here in a little bit. We do have uh, our whole smoked wings. We got to talk about them. If you mm-hmm. if you really want to try the wings, you're a little leery about a smoked wing and how we do a little different, come on a Wednesday night because they're $1.50 after 4 o'clock each. So you get one, say it's $1.50, other places do them 75 cents. Well, this isn't half a wing. This is a whole wing for $1.50. And, and so so it's really it's it's the half a wing that you normally get everywhere else for 75 cents each. and. You're going to get more meat on a wing here than anywhere else. It's yes, like you are. three in one. Like, what, take whatever your normal wing is, and this is like eating three of them. And you'd think this was a, like a playoff Wednesday. It's packed as what this place is. I mean, we're out here on the patio uh, doing the show, and, and we're packed out here. We got people to our right, people to our left, big tables. And then look on the inside. Yeah, there's no tables the inside. Open, yeah. There's no tables <laughs> open on the inside. It's all full. So, uh, 
if you're not coming out here to Bullet Girl House on Wednesday nights, uh, you're falling short. I, I can promise you that. And the cars are still coming in. You yeah, can see them they there. are. Still headlights out there uh, as we're looking looking back behind us. They're all here to see Ken. Ken signing autographs tonight only. Unless y'all call ahead and then he'll sign autographs next week as well. So uh, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good games. We talked about that Livingston-Kilgore game. In that last segment, Brooks Royale falls to Hampshire Finette, really good Hampshire Finette team, 57-7. Western War Stark falls to Belleville, 49-7. Columbus defeats Rockdale, 56-8. Buna falls to Dieball, 48-20. Hallettsville falls to Franklin, 50-22. Palestine Westwood defeats East Chambers, 35-14. Corgan puts seven lonely points up against the number one state-ranked team, Timpson. I'm glad they were able to put seven up because I, I wasn't was so sure that they were. Um, you know, when we were headed up to Carthage Friday night, I I, I told you I'd text Coach Ratliff and, and mm. uh, just uh, just text him, play Bulldog football, you know, and, and uh, just kind of let him know we were thinking about him as we as we rolled past Abe Martin and had the lights on already out there on there in Lufkin. But, you know, uh, we talked about Corgan, young team, this year, a lot of soft freshmen, sophomores on that football team, a uh, few juniors. Uh, next year, they're moving up 3A Division two, so it's going to be a, a whole new look for them. But these kids are going to be a little bit more seasoned than what they were this year and uh, get an opportunity. I mean, it's hard whenever you're a freshman. You went from eighth grade football to playing varsity football. Yeah, yeah. And, and we've talked about that. It's, it's like you say, next year is going to, to be a little bit tougher as far as uh, district. And I don't know exactly what Coach Ratliff has mapped out as far as non-comp or non-district uh, games yet or, or how many teams are even going to be in that district. But uh, if, if things work out the way that it did a couple of years ago, I mean, you could have – you know, state powers in there like Newton and uh, some of the bigger schools. That's it. Always seems like they are bigger school than what Corrigan is. So you're you're kind of fighting an uphill battle that way. But you do get kind of this year to to get the kids in, get them established on the varsity level because it is a huge jump. And I'm sure by the end of the season, the game slowed down for them a lot, and it'll be another learning curve for them next year. But hopefully. They um, this this year of varsity football will give them the experience that they needed to to adjust to the level that we, they're going to have next year. We did talk about the Livingston game a little bit, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But we didn't talk about your experience at Carthage. We've talked a few weeks ago about your best five schools, your worst ones, press box wise. Just I, a little offset. What what was your is is it did it fall on your best five, the middle five, or is it in the I'm, middle? I'm going to tell you. Press box wise, because I love press box talk, right? It's we 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 had a ton of room in there, right? We so, did. so what they've done, and my expectations of what Carthage's stadium was going to be, or it was supposed to be in my mind, was a lot greater than what we got there. So I was a little bit let down. It was neat walking in there, the big Carthage Bulldog sign, and coming in, and the look, overhead looked looked amazing. It looked yeah. like they had a nice place. So, and it is. Don't get me wrong; it's super nice, but. So what they did was they had the original press box, and instead of tearing that out, they broke off about four foot from the original and built three more boxes on each side of the original press box. So you had your home side and your visitor side. We were set up on the visitor side, obviously, with the Livingston Lions radio. 
But you had the coaches to our left, and you had another media box to our right, which was great. Um, and so we had plenty of room, Brian and I did, uh, just us two in there uh, doing the game. Had plenty of room. I mean, we had it's kind of like sitting at this table right here was how far apart we were. So we had plenty of room, and, and I did enjoy it. Now, whenever you went into the actual press box area, you had to almost turn sideways to walk through there because the hallway was so small to get in there. And they, they did have a bathroom. They, they fed us Chicken Express, which wasn't too bad. And uh, then they had some taco soup that was pretty good as well. But, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't meet – my expectations so i think henderson was a nicer facility overall yeah uh as far as going the atmosphere wise of doing the game uh but it definitely a nice stadium one uh, of the things that all of the schools in that region up there um, northeast of I already know where you're going of us <laughs> yeah they they have the stadium set out to where the, the bleachers are kind of goal line to goal line to where you're not 700 feet in the air because there's a few places like that if you go to Dayton, if you go to PNG or Huffman. uh, Huffman's. Huffman's a bit like that, yeah. Waller's the same way. Yeah. and Even the Woodlands is uh, yeah. the bank stadiums. It, it doesn't go – it goes in the middle and up high. Right. To me, I mean, you, you've got a 100-yard field and it – it would be cool to, to use all 100 yards because you have a lot of people that show up to high school football games that aren't necessarily there to watch the high school football game. Uh, it's it's more of a social event, and uh, usually that's kids and, and band and, and drill teams and things like that, and they don't mind being on the five-yard line. It's not a big deal. They don't they don't care about seeing the other side of the, of the field. But it, it really helps out whenever, you know, the sight lines for everybody if if you're not, you know, like I said, 700 feet in the air and trying to look down and, and decipher numbers and, and players and, and get information that you need in order to write a story or call out over the, the PA system or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. Even if you're just filming from there, you can you can film a lot better if, if you're a lot closer to the field. And that's, that's one of the things that I, I certainly appreciate about all the, the schools in that area. So, on a broadcast standpoint, the stadium was perfect, to, yeah. to say the least. It, it really was. You could see uh, the field. You could see the, the numbers on the field, the kids. Uh, you could see everything. So, on a broadcast standpoint, it was perfect. But it didn't quite meet my expectations. I mean, you're talking about a school with, what, seven, eight state championships under their belt? They got a big indoor practice facility, uh, it, super nice complex, right? But just it, it was kind of a downer because I was expecting more, right, going all the way up there to Carthage. I mean, and, and really and truly, it's like – He was expecting the five-star. He got a four-star. And I think what he's <laughs> trying to say is, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the stadium. It just wasn't – It didn't, didn't have, have wow like factor. It, an incredible, like, I'm, I'm amazed by what they have here. It looks like they've – redone it to a point to where they're trying to make the best of what they already had in place and, and maybe save a little money in the process. Well, they saved that money to build the indoor practice facility yeah. is, is what they did. Yeah. And, you know, it, and it's much like going to A. Martin, right? This was the first year that you and I went to A. Martin and a couple that we weren't fighting off wasps. <laughs> it, and I think that had to do with the and rain. He's not but, kidding. <laughs> but A. Martin used to be that stadium that was – 
it was, it was a destination if you were playing in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and it was like we're going to play at Abe Martin, and that was the big deal, much like going and playing at Turner Stadium. you know. But Abe Martin. And right next to it you have the new basketball arena, which is that place right now. Right. And you have an aging Abe Martin Stadium, and it just kind of looks out of place now that you have the new arena. I wish the new arena, would. the indoor practice facility that they have for football there at Lufkin. So, so you go – both of those stadiums are really kind of – letdowns right it because of through the years what they were and it's just Lufkin's an easy fix they they could easily make that place into a show place again no I agree and then this week we're going to Yates Stadium in Willis Texas which that's nothing special there you know (laughs) what I mean so so there you go but uh got a lot of good games coming up in the area around in the playoffs and we're going to stay focused right here where we're at in our area we're not going to branch out all over the state and uh, I got another show that we do that with. But Clear Springs and Galena Park, that game's Friday night. Pearland and Humble at Tascacita. I think that's going to be a really good game as Pearland defeated Dickinson last week, which was the first time in a number of years that Pearland was able to do that. Klein Collins in the Woodlands, that's going to be a tight mm-hmm. one there. I feel like that game's getting played over in Tomball is uh, where that game's going to be played at. Barbers Hill, Barbers Hill in Richland, Leander Rouse and Port Natchez Grove. Big game that I'm looking forward to seeing is uh, Hampshire, Fernet, and Quero. I'm not going to that game, but I'm going to be scoreboard watching pretty tight on that game. Is uh, Looking forward to that one. Jace, Jasper and Waco Conley, Gatesville and Sealsby. Now we're getting into 3A Division One football. Woodville and Columbus, Little River Academy, Die Ball, Franklin, Shepherd, Palestine, Westwood, Lorena. Now, we talked in the first segment about District 9 sweeping, right, mm-hmm. and, and going to the area around the playoffs. Now now you're you're facing the meat of the playoffs. And out of these four teams that are facing District 9, I'm going to bet at least one of them is in the semifinals, if not in the state championship football game. And, and, and so it's just who drew the lucky straw – and Little River Academy upset Hitchcock last week. I mean, I I joked about it on our on our podcast. I, I told him I said, "Do you think uh, Coach Morrison uh, sent a sent a care basket over to Hitchcock, thanking him for losing that game to play Little River uh, versus having to play Hitchcock?" So I, I really feel like when I look at this, these teams and and what they got going. I really feel like that die ball has the best opportunity to move on to the next round as they're a one seed playing a four seed. Yeah, I mean, it would be really tough to imagine them not winning this week. So you're you're definitely set up uh, and taken care of that way. I don't know who they would have the week after and how that bracket would work out. But uh, obviously you got a leg up whenever you're facing a four seed. Right. And, and, you know, I've I've talked highly on Woodville. Woodville played – Franklin, very tough uh, all game long early on this season with a heavy loaded front end schedule that, that Woodville had. They have Columbus, and, and I've been talking pretty high on Columbus all year long. And a matter of fact, I even uh, talked about I felt like that if Columbus and Franklin were to square off, that Columbus would win that football game. So, with that being said, 
Woodville has Columbus. I think that's going to be a really tight game, and it mm. could be a coin toss on which direction it goes. Palestine, Westwood, and Lorena, I'd like to say that's going to be a tight game, but I think Lorena's just going to – I think they're going to be able to outpower Palestine, Westwood, and uh, be able to pull that win. I think it'll be a two-score game, which is, is favorable, you know, a three-seed playing a one-seed. Yeah. And then you move over to the Franklin Shepherd game, game we got here on 102.3 The Eagle. Here in a few minutes, we'll have kickoff. Myself, Robert Howe, have the call. But uh, that game there, here's the problem. Shepard is beat up. Yeah. They're beat up hard. Talked to Coach Robinson this week. Uh, Dellinger talking about he's going to be able to play. Quarterback. Quarterback, yep. Talking about him going to be able to play. And, and we've seen the difference in the dynamics when, when he was – taking the snaps and when he wasn't, yeah. right? The the offense was at a complete different tempo. He's he's very good at directing the offense, not only that, but he's also a running threat of the backfield. And that's, that's where the key was. And I was trying to explain that to Toby in our podcast this week on the 590 Sports Show. Yeah. Uh, trying to explain just the dynamic. He said, you mean to tell me that Preston Stevenson had 288 yards rushing and the quarterback is a factor. And I said, yes, I mean that. And, and it's the truth. He is a factor. Yeah. I mean, he had 50 yards just in the first half alone. Right. And, uh, you know, it's there's a complete difference. I mean, people just think, you know, well, if you're just handing the football off, what difference does it make? Well, it, it makes a, an incredible amount of difference because you have a, familiar, a familiarity. I'll get that out. Try to anyway. With with who's calling the signals, you right. have you have somebody that if you do in fact have to call an audible that has that sort of experience, and then you you also have something to where let's say you get into a hurry up situation where you know clock's running down. Well, do you want somebody back there that's never been back there and never done it before, or do you want your starting quarterback that has ten games under his belt that's right. been playing all season, and you know where he's going to go with the football if you get into a certain situation. So it's it makes an incredible amount of difference. No, it does. And, and, and to roll on with the Shepherd report is uh, Coach Robinson was telling me as well he's got a linebacker that's out with a broken collarbone, and he's also got a defensive lineman that's questionable with a broken hand. Yeah. So he feels like that they're going to be able to club it and he's still going to be able to play, but – a defensive lineman with one hand, that's about like trying to go eat lobster. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, they are, are crab legs. You're, it just, it's almost impossible, right? So uh, it's going to be questionable. It's going to be interesting. And, and uh, you know, I'm super stoked for the Shepherd Pirates to be where they're at. And, uh, you know, I, Coach Robinson, those that don't know, he lives over uh, off 1097, been living there for a number of years. He coached in Willis, actually. And I text him. Friday, uh, excuse, Saturday or Sunday, I said, hey, man, what's the update? Where, where are we playing at? Them, them folks just got the pretzel. That thing is huge. We got that one week when we were here. I got it for dinner, but that pretzel is huge. Well, and if you had the meats, it's a meal, right? Yes, it's like a meal for three people. It's it's like really good here at Bullet Girl House. But So I said, man, how would you pull that off? He says, well, all, all the teams in the district had already agreed to play – in Huffman, right? And, and Lorena was going to have – or, excuse me, uh, Franklin was going to have to go all the way to Huffman if Kirbyville would have won, right? That's kind of the agreement that they had. Well, Coach Robinson coached in Willis for a number of years, so he called the secretary over there and says, hey, is y'all stadium available Friday night? And they said, yeah, it is. 
They said, would y'all be interested in hosting us, Shepherd versus Franklin? They said, yeah, come on. So Franklin was super stoked that they only have to drive to Willis. They don't have to drive all the way to uh, Huffman. Huffman, you know, to play this football game, which is going to save them an, an hour in the bus, right? So uh, that game being played in Willis at Yates Stadium. So uh, I've never done a game at Yates. I've been to Yates, but I've never broadcasted a game there. So it's going to be a first for me. And uh, so I'm checking two stadiums off of my list this year on games, on places I've never done a game, one in Carthage and now over here at Yates Stadium Friday night. I've spent a couple of long Friday nights in Willis. So. <laughs> well, I'm hoping this isn't going to be a long Friday night for the Shepherd Pirates. I hope that they come out and set the tempo early like they did against Kirbyville last week. Uh, Franklin, you know, they're, they're beatable. Lorena showed us that. Willis has showed us that. You know, Dieball has showed us that throughout the season. So, uh, you look at it and you think you take a Shepherd Pirate football team that had a pretty weak schedule getting started, losing to Tarkington and, and some of the other games that they lost. You know, it's not – it doesn't look favorable. And they, it didn't look favorable to them going into the Kirbyville. But if you all remember correctly, I told you all, if Shepherd shows up and plays like they did against Cold Spring, that they could win that football game. And that's exactly what they did. Well, and you got to imagine how different the team is from the first game of the season all the way until now because, you know, Coach Robinson said it himself uh, after the game on, on Thursday. He said, we had three returning starters coming back on the offense and we had three returning starters coming back on the defense. And, you know, some of those kids I, I think were the, were the same kid. And so you, you didn't have a ton of experience coming back. And so whenever you're playing those non-district games, you're not going to have the same type of team, the same type of execution, and the same level of play that you would have later on in the year. And you hope that, you know, you're in a position like Shepard was to where you can kind of sneak into the playoffs. You, you build a, a good enough record to, uh, to where a couple of late wins in the season will matter. So, look, here's the deal is, okay, so Shepard, they started their season off with New Waverly, a, a 23-6 win. They lose to Tarkington 30-14. to They lose to Orangefield 35-21. Made a ball game out of it. We're like, oh, what does Shepard have? Maybe, you know. Then they beat Hempstead 34-28 in overtime. They beat Crockett 30-13. They lose to Woodville 42-14. Lose to Westwood 28-43. Lose to Dieball 21-6. They go into this cold spring game, and I'm not taking credit for all this information. This I, I heard all of this on an interview that Coach Robinson did this week. They go into Cold Spring with needing to win two football games, and they're a 22-point underdog going into the Cold Spring game. 22-point underdog. They win that game 40-14 to and then handle Huntington 48-14. It's like the light bulb came on, and, and, and they're moving in the right direction. Defeat Kirbyville 42-28 last week, and, and now you're facing a very, very, very good – Franklin football team, and and it, it's just, got a lot of confidence right now. No, exactly. And you know we've talked about the Shepherd Cold Spring game a, a few different times, and and we've kind of just you know tossed it aside as well. You know it's it's a big rivalry game, and anything can happen in a rivalry. Obviously, there's something about that matchup to where they play really well, and I I don't want to put like a hundred percent on on a, on a rivalry. I mean, I know you you have kids that get excited about rivalry games 
but obviously there's something. I don't know whether it's it's the offense that that Cold Spring runs. Uh, we did see that they they did stop the run fairly well against Kirbyville. So you know if you've got some success doing it against that level of team, then maybe maybe that's that's where some of that comes from. But they've they've had an incredible run these last four or five years against Cold Spring to where something about that matchup has been favorable. So I'm going to say this: we're gonna we're gonna roll into this part of it. We're gonna talk about the three A Division One rankings, right? And, and we talk about that district that District 9 is playing right now. Columbus is number one. They have Woodville. Malakoff is number two. Uh, they have Mount Vernon. Winsboro is number three. They have Teague. Brock is number four. They have Muleshoe. Number five is Brook Bushland. They have Whitesboro. Number six is Hitchcock. They lost out last week. Number seven is Lorena. They have Westwood. Number eight is Franklin. They have your Shepherd Pirates. Number nine is Paradise. They have Delhart. And number ten is Jordathon. They have Edna. So whenever you sit there and you talk about this district and what they're going to be facing, you know, uh, you're, you're talking about all four teams, three of the four teams that they're playing in 3A Division One out of District 9. They're, they're playing – state-ranked football teams, and that goes back to my statement earlier that I feel like that one of those three of those four, one of those three teams is going to be in the semifinals here in, yeah. a, in, in a couple of weeks. And the one that you didn't list off was, of course, was uh, die ball. So. Right. So, uh, and die ball could very easily be in there, and, and I could pull up the bracket. We could go down that ra- that rabbit hole if we wanted to, but Ken's giving us the hurry-up signal over here to our right as he's – It's a two-minute offense. Two-minute offense. We're running the two-minute drill now. So, one-minute drill. One-minute drill at Bullet Girl House. Go, Chris. Hey, you know, we just talked about that pretzel. We're going to do the – we'll be talking college football here in a little bit. They can listen to Saturday mornings, 8 a.m. on the Eagle. Great college football pregame show. Find out what's going on today, what happened last week. we got some stuff to talk about. Jimbo Jimbo Fisher. Boy, we're going to have some conversation. Come on and get one of those big pretzels because they are great for college football. You're listening to the Bullet Girl House High School Sports Free Game Show here on 102.3 The Eagle. Kickoff of your Shepherd Pirates and the Franklin Lions coming to you next. We'll see you at the game. Bullfrog Environmental has 16 years of erosion control experience. From silt fence to construction entrances, we specialize in it all. Give us a call at 936-672-3744 or leap over and visit us on the web at bullfrogenvironmental.com. Howdy folks, Randy here. At Randy's Rubs, it is our mission to bring you a variety of mouthwatering seasonings that are sure to make the ordinary extraordinary, to make the impossible possible. Creating memories with friends and family is what is most important to us, and we hope to be the cornerstone of your meals making memories with the ones you love most. As all of you continue on your fall sports journey, Randy's Rubs wishes each of you an incredible season and may each of you be an All-American. Go check us out on Amazon or at randysrubs.com. It don't suck, y'all. Do you have a dream of sitting around and talking about whatever's on your mind? Well, we're here to make that a reality here at Texas Podcast Media. We here are we are here to make your dream a reality. Come in, set up in our studio. We record, we edit, we do all the work. And we upload it to all the feeds, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. We do it all. Let us be your home for your podcasting. For more information, email us at info at texaspodcastmedia.com. 